Well, um, uh, there is the story of uh, the person who went to visit a church and uh, had not gone for many years. And uh, uh, the last time they'd been to church, the church had talked about money. And um, they finally got up courage to go to this church, turned up at this church, and they talked about money. And they thought the church was always talking about money. And uh, they thought, well, maybe it was just one week. I'll go back the next week and see if that's all right. Went back the next week and the church was again talking about money and never went to the church again. It's something that I have in my mind every time we speak about money. Because I think, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where people are and what they're about. But if you, uh, as many of you are, regulars here, you know that we don't address this subject very often. Um, But I want to speak this week. And next week, that's not, please don't come next week, that is, please come again. Uh, this week and next week, I want to think about uh, stewardship and giving and um, what we're doing as a church family. Um, uh, in everything I say today, I want to say we are not about uh, pleading or manipulating or persuading anybody to give more than they feel they should. It's... Um, uh, really important that everything that we do is done with generosity of heart and is done with ease, ease in our ease and peace uh, in our own lives. Uh, but having given that um, uh, uh, warning, as it were, um, I want to uh, encourage us uh, this morning through this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul uh, uses the example of the Macedonian church to Uh, set a standard for an encouragement for and a standard for uh, others uh, to give. The Macedonian church had given in so many ways. And he's in this letter, what he's actually doing is he's encouraging the Corinthian church to respond in the same way as the Macedonian church uh, had responded. So uh, um, before I go into the passage, just to say a huge thank you to everybody who participates in the giving scheme of this church. Uh, if you're on the giving scheme, you've probably had a letter from me. If you've not had it, it'll be arriving probably tomorrow. Just saying thank you. Um, thank you for what you give. Thank you for what you have done over this last year that's enabled us to do so much as a church family. Um, uh, I, I think what we achieve as one small church is quite extraordinary, actually. The way in which we spread ourselves out, not just here but across the country uh, to make a difference in people's lives and we can only do that if we all participate and we all do we all participate uh, in this ministry uh, of giving so thank you for helping us to do that Um, uh, I met with Asnif this week uh, who runs our CAP clients CAP centre and uh, she was telling me this week two of her clients are now debt free uh, this week isn't that great so two people are debt free as of this week And, and that that's Two families changed. That's two families who were sinking in debt who are now changed families. I think that's terrific, actually. Um, I was trying to get hold of Ray Elliott this week, and I heard he was out moving a single mum into a, a, a new home and doing some work with a single mum. And, and his response to me was, Mark, the, we, we were moving her into a home, and we couldn't leave her in the home like it was. And so he spent a couple of days in there with some others, um, doing the home up for her, for this single mum. That's the sort of thing that we can do. And you know, that's another life change. And that's a single mum's life will be made easier now because 
Actually, she couldn't afford to move, so we moved her with our Beeson van. And, and, and not only that, it means that the home will be better. And it's not just her that's affected, it's everybody else that's affected. It's her extended family and her neighbours, those friends that she connects with. And that we're able to do that because of what is already given. So thank you to you for what you already give. I, I truly believe we really are making uh, a difference in what we do. But let me turn to the passage, and um, I'm going to work through some of this passage with us this morning. Verses 1 to 4, he says this, Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they, also, they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. First he says that the Macedonian church give in response to the grace of God. They're not giving in response to manipulation. They're not giving, not being persuaded in the wrong way. They, they're giving because of uh, the grace of God. Uh, Paul obviously sees this Macedonian church as an example to follow, a people that we can look up to. Um, they're an example of voluntary, sacrificial giving. And um, it was the grace of God that inspired them. In verse 9 it says this, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. They have responded to that. they've, They've discovered a new life. A new life that expresses something of the grace of God. I did a little bit of um, uh, work on the word grace this week because uh, it's a a word that's used a lot. And um, uh, I suppose I've got numerous little acronyms about it and definitions of it that roll around in my head. God's riches at Christ's expense. And, you know, we all know certain things that relate to it. But I thought, well... Why did they use the word grace? Where did it come from? I'd never really thought about that. I just thought it was part of the language. So I thought, I'm going to look it up. And um, grace was a a word that was used uh, by the Greeks at the time. And it was used to express something as being beautiful as opposed to ugly. Strong as opposed to weak. Uh, Healthy as opposed to sick. So they used the word to express something when it was full of goodness. That's what grace was. Grace is a word that expresses something that says this is full of goodness. Whatever we're talking about now, it's full of goodness. And the Christians adopted that word. Because they saw that in Christ, he was full of goodness. They saw that in him, the grace of God poured out in Christ expresses something uh, that's lived out of beauty, kindness, strength, power, love, health, purpose and joy. All of those things are found in this one person. And they, the, the word that the Greeks used, they said pers- that word is personified, it's encapsulated in this one person, Jesus Christ. And, and the Macedonian church said, we've been struck by 
the grace of God, by, by this person that changes our lives, this person that's brought into our lives that that we search after in life. Beauty and joy and peace and kindness and power and love and health and purpose. It's all encapsulated in him. And, and because of that, we give because we've discovered grace in our lives. And we've discovered grace in God, in Christ. It's Christ who's changed uh, our lives. And this same grace changes everything in our lives today, doesn't it? It comes from that place of understanding how good God is to us. What he's done for us. What our life in him means. And if, if we've discovered that, ultimately, he says that, Paul says that ultimately that's what makes us respond through our ministries, through our using of our, our gifts, through our offering of our talents, through our sharing of the resources that we're uh, entrusted with. Grace means that we are forgiven. Grace means that we know adoption, inclusion in the kingdom family. Grace means that we're part of God's eternal purposes. I'm I'm forever astounded that God would use the likes of you and me to bring his kingdom on earth. That's amazing, isn't it? I think that's amazing. I often think, there must be somebody better. You know, someone else could do this better than me. Someone else could. And I think probably that's true, isn't it? That we think that someone else could do it. But God chooses. He chooses to use you and me. He chooses for his spirit to work through us to express something of his grace in other people's lives. I've, I, I daily find that an astounding thing. I, 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 um, I actually daily find it an astounding thing that he would use me more than he would use you. I think, you know, quite extraordinary, really, that God would do that. That he would take someone like me and say, I'm going to use you, and through you, I'm going to pour my grace out into other people's lives. I don't know how you respond. I was at another church last week speaking, and um, uh, I have a... I have a PA who's very encouraging to me. Kathy's very encouraging. And, and uh, whenever I go somewhere else and speak, I come away and I think, well, I don't know if that was any good. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how one judges whether it was any good or not. You know. And someone wrote a very nice email to say thank you this week. And um, I read it quickly and then go, delete. Really quickly, because I think, oh, I don't know, that was obviously, you know, them just having a funny day. And, uh, uh, but actually, probably the truth is, whatever we feel about ourselves, or whatever we feel is going on, God in some way uses us. It's astounding. With all our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses and everything else, God in some way says, I want to use you. I want you to be part of this kingdom God. We're part of his, external, his, his eternal purposes. Grace means that we receive the gift of the Spirit in our lives. Grace means that we can find that place of inner peace and contentment. Grace means that whatever's going on externally, we can know something uh, at peace internally. And obviously, what the, the Macedonian church had found is that they had found that. They'd found that this grace of God, this 
grace found in the person of Jesus Christ had radically changed their lives. Radically changed their um, outlook on life. They say, we, so, we have so believed this, we've been so challenged by this, we've been so changed by this, that we want to give to the Jerusalem church that others would know this same grace that we found. That's their whole motivation for giving. The whole motivation for, for doing what they're doing, the whole motivation for serving in the way in which they serve is that they'd found the grace of God in their lives. That they, they had in some way... Uh, been encouraged that they were included in this story of God that goes on uh, in life. So they helped by funding the ministry of Paul and others around the area so they could continue to take this message out. That they who had received the message wanted to empower others to go and share it with other people. So that it wasn't just the Macedonian church that was blessed by it. We've been blessed by it. Now go and take it out to others. That others might be blessed by it and they share that goodness. So when Paul speaks about giving, it's not a surprise that he speaks about it in the context of grace. In fact, he always speaks about it in the context of grace. Because Paul himself was someone who fully understood that context of grace. He, he, says, he says, I have found, never mind what is going on in life, I have found this complete contentment, this peace, this, this inner something in Christ that just transcends whatever's happening uh, in this world. Paul says, I've discovered something rich and beautiful uh, in my life. And I, I do pray that we as a church are a church that continues to journey um, in that understanding of the grace of God that's found um, in Jesus Christ. But he doesn't stop there. Um, look at verse 5. He says this in verse 5. He says, um, they, did, they even did more than we, than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. So firstly, they gave financially because they discovered grace. But Paul says more important than that, they gave financially because they'd given themselves to God. They discovered this grace and they said, we're going to live under this. We're going to live under the lordship of Christ in our lives. We're going to live under the rule of life as comes if you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. We're going to give ourselves first to the Lord. We choose to say yes to him, to acknowledge him as our Lord and God, as our Savior and King. And it is a truly wonderful thing when we first find that. I was at a, um, a little party last night uh, for one of my goddaughters uh, who is 18. And um, uh, at that little party, there were some childhood friends, some people that I was teenagers, we were teenagers together, and um, talking about sharing stories and talking about different things uh, in our lives. And uh, we were uh, acknowledging the journey of uh, coming to faith, and particularly one guy, I was talking to him, we were acknowledging the journey of coming to faith. And, and he said to me, Mark, do you remember when you first became a Christian? And I said, I absolutely remember it. I remember the moment I thought, do you know what? I'm going to give this a go. That was about as theological as I got then. I thought, I'm going to give this a go. 
I, I, it seems to make sense. It, it, I see a lot of other people who follow it who really do make sense in life. And they're not stupid. And, and I think perhaps I should choose to do what they have done and uh, take the step that they have taken. And I remember that feeling of doing that and saying, okay, God, I'm going to give myself to you. I could, actually, I can't point you to the pew where it was because they've ripped the pews out now, but it was in a particular seat in a church and, and um, uh, I'd gone, uh, not, it wasn't a church service, actually, it was a Friday night and I'd gone to, um, I helped run a, a youth group for, uh, as, I wasn't a Christian, but I helped run a youth group for the youth off an estate. And we used to work with the uh, kids off the estate. And I was one of those who helped them. And the, 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 the kids were like 9 to 14, and I was all of 16, you know. And I was there helping them run that. And we had somebody come in to tell the story. And I stood there as one of the leaders thinking, blimey, didn't really understand that before. Oh, I never realized that before. He said, anybody want to, you know, respond to this, they can come up to the, go from the youth place up to the back of the church afterwards. So I said, oh, I'll take them up. <laughs> so I, I walked the youth up and they all sat down the front and made a commitment. And I stood at the back and just bowed my head and said, okay, I think I need to do what they're doing. And uh, gave my life to the Lord. And, and it's not always been easy. And any of you who are reading the Bible in the year will know it's sometimes quite chewy in different places. And you think, how does that make sense? Where does that fit in? How does that, you know, I don't know. Barry, Barry's organized somebody to come in May who's going to take us through some of the um, uh, uh, more difficult passages of the Old Testament. I said to him, that could take you a month, actually, if you really get going on that. But he's going to take us through some of those and, uh, and what that means. And there is some stuff there. You just think, what planet's that on? Does anybody else ever think that when you read it? Do you think that? Yeah, we do, don't we? You read it and you think, oh, I don't know. I come in sometimes, I say to Barry, is that still right now? Does that, does that fit now? I mean, you know, come on. I need to ask Chris as well. He was at Theological College latest, wasn't he? We need to ask him a bit more. But we'll challenge him this week, shall we? So, it, But it's, it's, quite, it's quite, you know, you think, where does that fit it? But I tell you what, in here it fits. In, I, I can't tell you, I haven't got all the answers, but i tell you this. Uh, Jesus works. He fits. If, if you want to know what this Macedonian church had discovered, if you want to know what Paul had found, it's all in Christ. It's all in Jesus Christ. And, and we may not have all the answers. And there are great theologians who will take us through different passages and explain them and a year later, you'll have forgotten the explanation. And you'll read it again, you'll go, where does that fit? I've got no idea. But a year later, you'll still go, but I still know Jesus is my Lord. And I still know the difference that he makes when I live my life for him. We give ourselves first to the Lord. That's what, that's what Paul said the Macedonian church had done. And he said that was what the most important thing was. Not understanding it all but actually just living it. And it says they gave their resources. Stewardship is um, uh, one of Jesus' favorite little terms. We're stewards, he says. A steward is simply a manager of somebody else's property. 
good stewards faithfully uh, uh, extend their master's business. So if you work for a company, you're a steward in that company helping to promote that company and the, 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 the role that that company has or the business that that company has. And what we are is we're stewards, every single one of us, we're stewards of God's kingdom. So, so we're called to be stewards and to use our resources to advance his message. And our giving is to be an expression of our identity as a steward in God's kingdom. That's what these guys in the Macedonian church had done. I think we find that quite difficult to understand because we think... Well, my salary is my salary, and my house is my house, and my car is my car, and all of those sort of things. But, but actually, the way in which God sees it is, no, it's all given to you to help resource the bigger picture. We really are here to change the world. We might do it one person at a time, but that's what we're here for. We're here to make a difference eternally, not just in individuals' lives, but in community, in the life of a community, in the life of a family, um, in the life of this nation. In the kingdom, in kingdom terms, God entrusts us with certain things and asks us to use it wisely. Jesus tells a story, doesn't he, of entrusting three stewards with a certain number of talents. And to one he gave five talents, and to another he gave three talents, and to another he gave uh, one talent. I know he said two, there was one, isn't it? Another gave one talent. Was it five, three, and one, or was it five, two? Yeah, five, three, and one, wasn't it? And the one who had five took what he had been given, and he multiplied it out. He used it wisely. Note, for his Lord. For his manager, for his boss. The one who had three talents took it and multiplied it out so that he had more for, not for him, but for his boss. They were being good stewards. The one who had one talent said, don't want to get this wrong. Don't think I'll do anything with it. I'll just bury it. I won't fully participate in it. And when I meet my Lord at the end of the day, I'll say... Well, wasn't quite sure, so here's what you gave me back. And he says, no, that's not how it's supposed to work. What you're supposed to do is take what God had given us and use it to multiply out. And, And what we do in the church is we say, well, let's do that together. We take what God has given us, we each give in, and we multiply it out. So, So I haven't this week, I haven't dealt with a single mum. But I'm part of the story of a single mum, her life beginning to be changed. I haven't lifted someone out of poverty this week through CAP, but I'm part of the story of that person coming out of poverty because I'm on the plan giving scheme of the church, because I participate in it. And so the story, the ongoing story of God at work in and through our church family here is a story that we are all part of. So you can go home and celebrate that 
that stuff has happened this week because you're on the plan giving scheme of the church here, because you give to the church here in what we are doing. And he says, does need to, who, he who is trustworthy in small things, more will be given. And, and I think that's true, friends, of, the, of, of us as a church family. I think we are trustworthy. We are trustworthy in small things. And in so doing, Lord, the Lord has kindly given us more. I know that um, uh, it was a few years ago now, but um, uh, our dear friend and Richard Sarson spoke about it at our AGM probably five years ago now. Um, he, said to me, he said to me one, one year, he said, Mark, I'm not sure. There's a lot of income that comes into this church. We're not sure what goes on with it. And uh, I said, well, well, look, you know. The PTC minutes go up, all the finances there. You can see exactly who gets what. Our names are up there against the expenses we claim. You, can, you know, it's all public stuff. And he said, I want to join the PCC and uh, join the standing committee and look at the finances in detail. Well, come on then. So he did. And uh, at the end of a year of doing that, he said, I'm going to stand down now. And I actually thought, phew. That's a relief, because he, he went into tiny detail in everything. But he stood up at the AGM, and those of you who are here will remember, he stood up at the AGM and he said, I've done this and I've discovered that over 80% of what comes into this church is spent by going out to bless others. I thought, that's pretty good, really. Even I didn't know that. You know, that's good. There's someone coming in and going, I'm going to have a look. We really do take what you give and try and make a difference. Try and make a difference in people's lives both locally and uh, abroad. We take what we've been given, the small thing, and the Lord seems to be trusting us. In Luke 6, verse 38, it says this, A give and you will receive, a gift, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down and shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. For the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And of course, the amount we give to it actually means and that's in proportion it's not in not in big figures it's just proportionately the amount we give gives us greater ownership yes i'm part of the story i'm part of making it happen so he says first of all this macedonian church he says they give because they've understood the grace of god in their lives secondly he says they give because they know they're stewards of god's resources they've given themselves solely to the lord and they realize that in so doing, they're stewards of God's resources and they're giving out to others. And then he says, finally he says, and they give because it's a step in discipleship. Look at verse 6 onwards. He says this. He says, um, so we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious, gracious gift of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Um, every now and again, someone will ask me, uh, discipleship is a really interesting word, and uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? And... Um, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, sometimes people will say, Mark, we need more discipleship in the church and, you know, deeper teaching. That's why we have people like Barry. You know, just it, it take us deep, in deeper. But it, 
I will often say to people, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is two phenomenally big commands in Scripture. And, and, and discipleship is living those out. That's what it is, actually. At the end of the day, it's not more information. It's lives that are bringing transformation. It's living out the story of God uh, in and with our lives. Paul says here that this uh, church in Jerusalem, he says, you're gifted in so many ways. He says, you excel in your faith. You've got gifted speakers. You've got great knowledge and understanding of the Bible. Uh, you understand the missionary context in which you live. You have an enthusiasm and love for others. But he says, I also want you to excel in this gift. In this gift of giving to the church. So how do we do that? Well, Paul gives some very simple advice towards the end of this uh, passage. He says, let, your eager, let, let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Uh, give in proportion. That's the first thing he says. Give in proportion to what you have. Um, lots of people take the standard in the Old Testament. There's a standard in the Old Testament of 10%. You know, there's a sort of a rule of thumb, really. Here's what we do. We sort of give the first fruits back. If you've been reading the Bible in the year with us over this last week, you'll know that that's come up again and again. Bring the first fruits in. Give the first bit back to God. Honour him with something special. That's what it says, actually. Um, and, and we continue with that today. We give the first fruits back in. And, and many of us in the church would take our income and we would give 10% uh, uh, into the church family. Of course, the... That 10% is just a guide, and lots of people do more than that. Lots of people give tithes and offerings. So they give their 10%, and then they give offerings over uh, and above that. But Paul says this, give in proportion. It's not a big figure, it's just like a proportion. We get this, let's share that. This is how we share what we've got, to ensure that we're part of the story. Now second, he says, give, verse 12, give whatever is acceptable. Um, whatever you give is, is acceptable if you give it eagerly, he says. And you give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Uh, we could translate that as joyfully. Paul wants us to give joyfully. We're not about persuading. We're not about twisting people's arms up the back. He says, give joyfully. Give joyfully that others lives might be changed. Give joyfully that we would extend the kingdom of God together. Give joyfully so that uh, we can uh, be part of the ongoing story. And finally he says um, that we're to give joyfully that other lives would know something of the equality. He says, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life, e should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. So those who don't have, we share with them. We share with the cat person who's got themselves in a financial pickle. We share with the single mum. We share with them. All our ministry is about going out and trying to find those who have not yet to give them and enable them to become somebody who has and to discover the goodness of God. God invites us to come and join him in what he is doing. And be part of, uh, to be part of that is to be giving to his work. 
And I want to encourage us as a church, and I'm going to be thinking about it again next week. Encourage us as a church. It's not just about finance, but we don't often talk about finance here. Um, But it's to say, let's ensure that we're giving to enable the church to do what it needs to do, us together, to do what we can do to really make a difference.